In this interview, we discuss the documentary highlighting the artists of the Syrian revolution, The Story Won't Die by David Henry Gerson, and afterwards, we hear from him and his team for a special Q&A following the New York City premiere. Luckily, I'm an artist, so I have space to use my memories. Uh, Tripoli, waiting for the ship, trip to Turkey, swag, <laughs> whatever. That was amazing. It was shocking for them to see Syrian refugees. They are like rock stars coming from the sea. I saw the effects of war on me when I started doing music and art. I couldn't resist that temptation to scream against the whole history of Syria, against the whole establishment that is called Syria. Art can talk about politics, but politics can't ever talk about art. like a wave of people leaving. 12 million out of the country and the regime is still there. Through the people that I have known. I'm proud of what we did, this amazing movement that throws out of nothing. Straight in my new mind's eye. All those thoughts, it will never arrive to my brain if I didn't. I had that journey. David, the man behind the story won't die. Thank you so much for joining us. An incredibly powerful documentary about Syrian refugees, in particular the ones that you highlighted who are making a positive impact. Why was this the story to tell, and why is this the right time to put it out? I uh, I don't know. I mean, my, my family has been refugees for generations uh, on the border of Ukraine and, and Poland is sort of where my father's side and family comes from. And they've gone back and forth. My father was born a refugee um, and seeing that the Syrian revolution and the Syrian civil war afterwards uh, was the, well, not the revolution, but the Syrian civil war was the largest displacement of people since World War II. Um, just really got me paying attention. And I just felt I had to do something. Uh, and, you know, when you initially think of refugees, you know, maybe you think of like a UNICEF ad of, of a mother with a starving child in her arms. And, and of course, that's a true story, but there's many other faces of the refugee experience. And so this film became kind of my way of, in a way, coming to understand what my father's experience was like um, and, and coming to really understand what is the Syrian experience like. Uh, and beyond that, what is the artistic process uh, in looking at some sort of trauma, horror, uh, war, like what we've seen in Syria? And so who are the, you know, the Picassos or the, the Bob Dylans uh, coming out of Syria, making music, making art that really um, gives voice uh, to, to the trauma that, that has, has happened there over the last decade? Definitely. And how did you narrow it down to those uh, select few artists? You know, we started just by doing like a large search and then it, 
came down to whose work we really liked initially and sort of what um, one person would lead to another. We brought on a co-producer, Abdelaziz Alhamza, uh, who was in Matthew Heinemann's film, City of Ghosts. And, and while I was very much interested initially in what does it mean to process war, uh, he was also telling me about what does it mean to protest war. And, and he introduced us to people like Abu Hajar, the rapper whose um, lyrics got him imprisoned and tortured by Assad. Um, Diala Brisley, who's an animator and illustrator, who uh, we did a talk with Shepard Ferry, the artist and activist, and when we premiered at Hot Docs, uh, and Shepard sort of compared her work to, to being like a Trojan horse. Uh, her work is very playful and, and, and childlike, uh, and yet uh, that's sort of the entrance point. But once you get into the work, you realize you know, she's she's sharing the horrors of war with the world in a way that maybe people turn off and stop paying attention at a certain point. And hopefully these kinds of artworks can really reanimate people and, and reawaken people to, to what's going on. You're no stranger to filmmaking and tackling some really tough and heartbreaking topics, but was there anything that personally surprised you that you learned in the process of making this? I think I, as an American really came to appreciate freedom of expression. Uh, and, you know, we talk about it in the US, it's in the constitution and, you know, but we don't, it's hard to appreciate it until you meet someone who's been tortured for a lyric, like uh, the driver of this car is weird. Um, you know, something as seemingly inane as that or, or liking a music video or, or a drawing on Facebook, that that can get you tortured, uh, arrested. Um, to me, that was a real eye opener. Uh, and certainly you can read about some of these things, but really speaking about it in depth with some of the people in the film um, really, really got me to appreciate freedom of expression and, and realize how important it is and how important it is to safeguard it. What do you hope this film does in terms of its positive impact? Obviously, it's shining a light uh, on the on this major crisis. But I mean, you, you mentioned Ukraine and your family and everything. And it's great that these days it seems like a lot of Ukrainian refugees are going to have uh, the resources available to them. But unfortunately, that hasn't always been the case with Syrian refugees or refugees in general from the Middle East or, or Haiti, you know, Mexico, the, li the, li the list goes on and on. So yeah. what do you hope this documentary accomplishes, not just spreading awareness, but also reminding people, hey, these guys are human too? I think that for sure. I, I think there's kind of two, two elements here. Um, one is you know, I, I started making this during a previous administration in the United States, and there's been a lot of uh, politicians around the world and rhetoric against refugees, against immigrants from around the world. And I, I think the first step uh, is to say, OK, wait a minute, who, who are these people? Uh, you know, if a building is bombed inside of that building are going to live film critics, are going to live artists, are going to live, you know, politicians, you know, the full spectrum of human life and meeting some of these people. Um, that have been through these horrific experiences. My hope is by introducing some of these people to Western audiences, um, that when we think about closing the door, so to speak, we first can see the face of who's on the other side of that door and realize that we too, anyone uh, could be put in this situation. Um, you know, anyone can become a refugee uh, at any time, really whether we like to think so or not. And, and I think if we can realize uh, the shared humanity and understand who these people are, we may be in a better position if we're ever put in that same uh, situation. So that's one, is really, you know, on a policy level, on a, on a humanity level, realizing this, you know, shared experience we all might have and, and how people have processed it. The other is for anyone who's been through this sort of experience, 
um, to be given hope, uh, to be given inspiration by these artists who have not uh, shied away, who have really done the very difficult, in some cases impossible work of looking into the darkness uh, that they have come from. Um, that is is that that hope, uh, that that sense that you know one can make something out of their horrific experiences. To me, is personally one of the most inspiring things I've learned from the people in this film, and I, I hope audiences around the world will will feel the same. The, the resilience that was shown uh, throughout the the film definitely awe inspiring. But of course, uh, you've mentioned you know the political situation and everything, and the rat you know the rapper being jailed and tortured. I mean, was there any thing that you had to I don't know if leave out of the documentary is the right phrasing but was there like a line you had to walk to be careful and sensitive to all the parties and say some of them are technically still in danger absolutely um I, I think first off we really try to avoid politics as much as possible um it's really much more about the human processing of war um and certainly any personal details or anyone who's still back in Syria we really had to be careful in that regard um to make sure that everyone felt safe, you know, I don't want to make a movie and put anyone in danger. Um, so that that stayed out and, and, you know, it's only 83 minutes. So there's a vast war that happened over 10 years uh, and a lot of very important, and very fascinating and nuanced uh, information. Um, and I think there are many other films that are really brilliant documentaries about Syria that maybe tell you more about uh, the nuances of what's happening in Syria still today uh, and what has happened over the last 10 years. This film is more of a step back, maybe, about how to process and and what that journey looks like, you know, over, over time um, from a broader perspective. So there are a lot of details uh, that, that got omitted. The final product is absolutely fantastic. But I would imagine with a film of this undertaking, you know, it took a whole lot. What was the most challenging aspect of making it? Uh, I think making a, a sort of smaller independent film like this takes a huge amount of endurance. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and just, I, I feel that, you know, staying, believing in the work that you're doing, uh, if anyone is, is trying to make a film like this, uh, and, and, you know, just keeping that endurance uh, to make sure that you, you get it through and make sure you get it to audiences. I, I feel that's the ultimate uh, responsibility of a filmmaker. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that I think was one of the biggest challenges, just making sure that we can keep on pushing, keep on pushing. And, you know, we edited it throughout COVID and started at film festivals that were online. And, you know, you hit roadblocks along the way and you you have to believe as a filmmaker that what you're doing has, has a purpose and, and should be out there in the world. If you didn't believe that, you would never go through the, the years that it takes to make a movie. Uh, so I, I think that was probably the biggest roadblock. Of course, people could check it out June 21st on all major platforms or video on demand, including Apple, Amazon, Prime Video, Vimeo, and on World Refugee Day of all days, which I'm assuming was deliberate, right? Not not an accident. <laughs> and we want to get chatter on a positive note. You're an accomplished filmmaker, award-winning. This documentary itself has been critically acclaimed for good reason. For any young aspiring filmmakers watching or listening to this, especially those that want to work with this kind of serious subject matter and tell it in a responsible way, what's the best piece of advice you give them? I think you have to take care of yourself when, when, when dealing with these sort of subjects. They're, they're very hard. Um, and, and it may be that you don't realize that. Um, my previous film dealt with World War II, and I ended up sort of my body collapsed after the shoot. Um, you know, I think you have to realize that you're walking into very delicate territory. 
and uh, both to have utmost respect for the people whose story you're telling, uh, but also respect for yourself along the way to make sure you're you're treating the storytelling holistically, and whatever yeah. that means. <laughs> and yeah, you mentioned your your body like shutting down. So when you're dealing with with stories that have a lot of trauma, I mean, you're kind of experiencing that second, you know, third hand. Like, what steps have you taken to kind of stay mentally clear and and focused and not not let that overwhelm you because it's understandably you know very sad subject. You know, of the artists in this film, and, and I, I, you know, one of my favorite lines in the film is one of the artists says, we're tired of, tired of being lab rats for documentaries. Uh, because they've been in a lot of, you know, BBC and CNN interviews and, and, and in other documentaries. There's sort of a humor in the film. Uh, one of the artists jokes and says, you know, this is uh, what a refugee artist looks like walking down the street. Um, there's a humor uh, in, in those who talk about their own trauma and I feel in making a story like this you have to have a certain amount of, of humor uh, in the same kind of way because otherwise it's it's overwhelming it's, it's just too difficult so I think you know, taking the time to enjoy yourself enjoy your company and, and and be able to have a sense of humor about your work is, is is very important and in one line or less why should people watch the story won't die to meet some inspiring brilliant creatives who uh, are looking at the worst world worst war we've seen uh, as far as duration at this point uh, since world war ii the story won't die is a documentary that chronicles the lives of nine syrian artists who are using their art to speak up against the assad regime but also now to process their trauma of war and having to now redefine their collective identity their artistic identities and um to integrate into a life away from home um so with that said i'll jump right into my first question um, this is a question for all of you. When did you know you had to make this film? Um. I'll start us off. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I made a, a short film called All These Voices. Um, that was my thesis film from film school. And that was a film about artists really after World War II giving voice to, to the Second World War. And that won the Student Academy Award in 2016, and there was a short documentary about Lesbos uh, and about the Syrian refugee crisis. And I just felt my, my father was born a refugee uh, after World War II uh, in Uzbekistan, and I just felt I had grown up being told stories of exile and, sto and, and never forget uh, certain stories of exile. And so when I saw that this was the worst since World War II, it just felt like I'd have to do something. Uh, and then fortunately I met Odessa. Uh, yeah, who, uh, I, I guess I was at a sort of transitional moment in my life and a friend of mine who's an artist called me up one day and said that she was in contact with a Syrian uh, refugee who is in Azraq camp and she'd gotten a bunch of these messages from artists and she was coming to New York to write the messages around New York and I just said I want to document it and that was the first documentary that I ever made and when I was finishing that and sort of fascinated by these conversations that I was having um, with these uh, artists that were stuck in Azraq camp on the border of Syria and Jordan I met David and we sort of felt like it was synchronistic and uh, and tried to expand the project, which became that. And four years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully we met Aziz because he 
really kind of cast the film and help us shape um, what we were looking for out of our uh, subjects? Yeah, I think like they said everything. So I came across <laughs> like in the I, I would say like in the middle of the process, and it's like I as I as I always say like I'm not in the film industry. I care less about it. So, <laughs> but when I heard like the story invo like is involving Syrian Syrian artists, I needed to make sure that the story is like well known put out so because I've come across so many reports and documentaries were made about Syria and most of them they just focus on the fact that there are like Syrian refugees in the story but all those like people mm -hmm. like the artists they have like a message as you've seen like in the documentary all those people are like politically involved and that was like important for me to show to everyone because so many people like what they would call like in the West or like white people would prefer not to be politically involved, which is something I dislike. So for me, I needed to make sure that those people have their political views and like messages, what they've been through and their struggle that they've been like expressing through art will well shown to everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, in, in that same vein, um, the film opens with Alan Gerson's quote, um, it is not what you think about a person uh, when they're gone, uh, it is what you create inspired by them. And so um, what are some action, what, what, what actions do you hope audience members are inspired to take after watching The Story Won't Die? What audiences do you hope that this film is watched by? And what is a, an immediate, immediate action item that uh, audience members here today can take after leaving this theater. Yeah, I mean, the so the quote was my father's quote, um, and weirdly, I just realized his his birthday is June nineteenth, mm -hmm. um, and he was dying as as we were editing the film, and I was leaving to go to California, and I said, Dad, I'll be thinking about you, and he very looked me in the eyes and said, It's not what you think about a person when they're gone; it, it's uh, what you create, inspired by them. And so obviously there's some very personal aspects for me of making this movie and, and sort of my relationship with my father and kind of coming to understand his origins as, as a displaced person uh, growing up. And I think though that message of to create for me is why I'm grateful uh, for having made this movie. Um, these are people in this film who very easily could just say, I don't want to look to the darkness that I've, I've come from. Uh, these are people who actively say, I'm willing to look into that darkness um, and from that to create and not to see myself as a victim, but to, to build from the experiences that life has given me. And for me, that's, I, I can't really think of something more personally inspiring to me. Um, so I, I think as far as action items, go to www.thestorywon'tdie.com uh, where you can click on the artists tab and you can follow all of the artists in the film, you can go to their band camp, their SoundCloud, you can go to their concerts, you can go to their exhibitions, uh, support these artists, support artists like them uh, who are doing this kind of difficult work. Um, yeah. Go to at the story won't die on Instagram and, and, and celebrate them uh, and celebrate this kind of work. Um, I think that's the most direct action item. I mean, I would have to add to that, though, that I think the core of why I make any film uh, in my life is to try and make the world even smaller in a way that we can see and feel and connect 
to people that we wouldn't otherwise connect with, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Iraq war was something that affected me very deeply, the, re the way that we could uh, go and, you know, just bomb another country like that and go to war and obviously it continues on, Ukraine we're dealing with currently. But I think that films like this and every film that I make, I hope it just helps everyone, you know, see someone that they wouldn't necessarily feel anything ab about or like a Syrian refugee was something that was so, I don't know, just there were a lot, of a lot of cliches about what a Syrian refugee is or when you saw them on the street, especially in Europe, we weren't as affected by it here and I wanted to um, humanize what this is and I think that action items is in your own life, do that with, like we, that's what we all have to do in today's world. So that's, I think, the, the for me, yeah. I would say like everything they said. <laughs> I like mainly like to tell your friends. So the documentary would be playing like this week, like five times a day, like here. So mm -hmm. Cinema Village. So it's like just important like to spread the words. Like the main reason why I got involved is always to let people understand what's going on. So like in such conflict, so many people they get lost, and for them they would always say that oh okay it's. It's like a 10-year conflict or whatsoever. It's hard for us to understand. Documentaries has made things way easier for people to sit for like an hour, 90 minutes and watch what's happening and having an idea about what's happening. So it's all about awareness for me. Just like spread the words, tell your friends. And like most importantly that those people are like human like everyone else. So some like media publications, outlets have kind of like put them in a different way. There were like so many talks about like refugees, yes or no, whatever, as we were playing a game. So I just like to share like a different aspect about those people and their life they're like normal people and even like the way how Anas was saying like hey I'm a refugee I'm walking down the street so it's like the way how me I was like oh my god you're a refugee as they're like a Pokemon or something so it's just like <laughs> a different way to let people know like no like you know all things that you might have heard of like in media or other places completely different so that's like one of the main reasons plus like the most important thing for me as someone is like the political stand in everything so many people they try to stay in the middle and not take a side about like everything happening and in such situation this show like the creator of like the main problem why there are like refugee crisis where people are like fleeing their countries so that was also like the number one thing that I was like pushing to show for everyone I would add to that also, it's going to be released digitally on, uh, so Monday is World Refugee Day, whatever that, um, but uh, the next day it'll be released around the world uh, on iTunes, Amazon. Or for questions from the audience, um, um, let me ask you about the title of the documentary, The Story Won't Die, how you came to name the documentary, and in fact, um, how it relates to Abu Hajar's verses. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I should mention too, like my, my initial interest in this movie was how can we process war? How, how can art be used to process the horrors of war? Uh, and when we met Aziz, he really aptly pointed out art is also used to protest war. Um, and through Aziz, we met uh, Abu Hajar, uh, the rapper in the film, uh, who says hello and wishes he were here right now. Um, and we had a very phony first title of this movie. Um, uh, Phoenix, it was called initially, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, we saw in Abu Hajar's lyrics of his first song, um, he says, uh, you saw it uh, there, that, that Madeline's dead, 
uh, but the story won't die. And, and I think that to me just, we, we were sifting through titles and we're like, oh, that's it, you know. So, um, and, and I think that goes back to the thing about creating. And, and you know, when politicians are gone, um, hopefully these artworks live on. And for me, that's the most hopeful thing, uh, you know, the, the reason to really to create. Um, this was so powerful and eye-opening and educational. Um, I just wanted to ask, what was the hardest part about making this? And were all of the artists excited to do it? Or were some of them a little more reluctant for personal or other reasons? What was your experience kind of going through it? Uh, the question of what was uh, it, what was some of the challenges of, yeah. of making the film with really working with some of the artists in the film and and you know I, I, one of my favorite lines in the film is uh, we know we're tired of being lab rats for documentaries yeah. um, many of them have done a lot of documentaries and have been uh, with a lot of journalists on BBC and CNN and, and been celebrated and talked about as refugee artists uh, and a lot of them we're very reluctant uh, to be in a movie about quote-unquote refugee artists. We, we don't even really use the word refugee in talking about the film in general because um, some of them haven't even applied for refugee status. Um, mm -hmm. So certainly one of the biggest obstacles was was just... I mean, my goal was to like make this an intimate hangout with some friends uh, and, and fortunately we found like what I feel are some of the coolest people uh, out there. Um, and so, of course, there are many other great uh, artists out there. Um, but, you know, th this was sort of a, a small sample of, of very totally different mindsets. Mm -hmm. uh, from religious to not religious, from, from wealthy to, to poor. Um, and I think the challenge also was just fighting against cliches, fighting against being lab rats for documentaries. And, and you know, ultimately, this is a film about storytellers. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a film about people who are struggling to find a way to tell their story in their various mediums. Um, and so balancing that and working with them to, to, to craft the story, I, I think that was just the, the hardest mm. part of it. I would also add that the other hardest part, I think, was when we first started it, because our first shoot was on Lesbos in Moria refugee camp, and it's considered hell on earth um, by like many news outlets, and just being thrown into the conditions that these like people like you and me are stuck in for months and months and watching them go through the process of every month going and getting a red stamp on their piece of paper which means they can't go on and watching their journey over two years like even um, kids that didn't end up in the film but just staying in touch with them and you know falling through the cracks and not getting uh, refugee or asylum status and understanding the background that they're coming from and having to work illegal jobs at uh, almost like slave labor wages and sleeping on the streets and it's been absolutely heartbreaking I think all the following all the kids and the people that I met um, through finding like our subjects there's a like I said there's a bunch who didn't end up in the film who've had incredibly challenging journeys since meeting them I think that's uh, been very hard mm -hmm. thank you yes well, thank you, first of all, for such a beautiful film. Um, this, um, before my question, uh, the film reminds 
the normalcy of life, like the quest for having a normal life, making work, work being the most important thing, and for people's sanity, well, from whatever, despite whatever they go through. And the film definitely puts that forward as the message that you guys have been telling, like this is the artists and um, their lives. And I fall into sometimes myself to go, going, going into the stereotypes, thinking like the word refugee and everything I've read, everything that I've, that I've been exposed to, I have a certain thing that I, that I have to break, that I have to keep on breaking. And the film definitely is like a hammer. <laughs> yes, that's that breaks. It breaks. And uh, I'm curious if the film brought some of these artists together, or they knew each other before. Both. A bit of both. Yeah. Um, I mean, when we first met Abu Hajar, uh, he and Anas were just starting a collaboration, mm -hmm. so we really tracked that collaboration as they were going on. Uh, I think he knew Medhat. Uh, but certainly we But said, not as well, like we were like... We said this is a beautiful field at Tempelhof and it's now springtime and golden light and let's go, uh, you know, talk about your music video that, you know, so there were certain mild ways that we assisted. They all kind of knew of each other other than Shadow. The one guy who's in Refute in the, Nether the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and the, ba the, the break dancer. Yeah. Break dancer. Mm -hmm. He didn't know any of them. He we met in Moria at the refugee camp in Greece and sort of followed him from there. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> Thank you. Any other questions? Yes. What story resonates most with the children out of all the people you interviewed or met, whether they were no, the question was which story for each of us uh, from the film and, and, and who we met uh, resonates the most. I mean, I love an Anas. I'd probably make a whole movie about Anas because he's such a character. Um, I, we, I wanted to make a whole movie about Anas, but he was like, no, I don't want to be in your documentary. I was like, please. He was like, no, no. But yeah, he, he's hilarious. And I keep in touch, obviously. I see him every time I'm in Berlin comes and hangs out on my current sets or whatever it is. Great guy. But is there something about his story that resonated with Yeah, just that he, I think that the way that he like looks at it all, the way that he, you know, what he, um, like if you look at his Instagram, I think that uh, the way that he has turned like his journey into his art, I find like the absolute coolest. He pulls just different aspects, mixing it with the modern world and the past and his pain. I find his work to be the most inspiring and um, I would encourage all of you to dig through his Instagram. He's unfortunately He's taken a lot of it down, um, but it's just, it's. I've never seen like visual art like this uh, on, on like a social media platform. He's, it's just brilliant, every little, drop and he then he goes and he takes it off because he's like that was stupid because he overthinks it and yeah as he says as he w welcomes us to his room you know here's where i overthink like he <laughs> and his music is so good so when i heard his music i was like here's someone who's so talented mm. you know and that is like truly when you see like the journey they've come from what they what the challenges they're facing but the talent they have like it's so frustrating you just want to He'd love to come to the States, can't, you know? 
for me, one of the you know, I, I grew up being told all these stories about like surviving survival, and uh, even having been through the worst possible circumstances, how still you would fight with your family or still have to, you know, stupid little small human things. Uh, and amongst those was losing faith in God uh, and, and hating God and being angry at God. And there's a story of Medhat's that really reminded me of my grandfather. Um, where he says that he was you know, sleeping on the side of the road in Thessaloniki and part of his year's journey uh, from Syria to, to Berlin. And he said, no, you know, God is dead. Uh, it's done. I am, I am my own God going forward. Uh, that I will not be a victim. That I will take these circumstances and, and make myself into the greatest artist I can be. Mm. I think for me that was really like uh, one of the most moving and inspiring uh, moments in, in the film. Okay, the thing is, like, I kind of know all of them besides Shadow. Oh, so. you have to pick one. Yeah, I would pick. <laughs> I, the thing, I'm like, I would say Shadow because it's like the only one that I didn't know at all. I would tell Okay. <laughs> so, uh, he's like the only one that I didn't know at all. And I remember I was like in Amsterdam and like I contacted him. And he's so young. Like, at the time, I was like 18, 19. He's so young. So there was like an age gap. So I went out with him and he started like dancing in the middle of the street and the crowd that he was able to bring in like two minutes, it was crazy. It was insane for like an 18 years old, just like dancing in the middle of Amsterdam and like the crowd. And then when you, when I was talking with him, like in my mind, I was like looking at this 18 years old, like boy, dancing in the middle of Amsterdam. Everyone's looking at him, cheering him up. And then we went like to eat and he started talking and he was talking as like a 50 years old guy. So that's like the difference that you can tell, like what he's been through, like his family situation. So, and like, I've come across like so many like kids, like 17, 18, like when I go like to give talks, especially in schools, they're like, they're like in two different spaces. Like people they are like us like Snapchat, Instagram, cookies, TikTok, like whatever. And for him, like he can give you like a political lecture for like one hour, like three minutes later, he's dancing in the middle of the street like a baby. So for me that was like the only like fascinating character person that I've kinda like was so excited to meet and to know. The others are like all great, all amazing. I kind of know all of them. Like we did hang out, we traveled, whatever. So I'm not gonna name them. So you know them. But I would say like Shadow it was like the outstanding like character in the entire document for me. Yes. I have one. It's short. Uh, I was wondering if there why only nine, or why as many as nine? Is there a reason for the number of artists? Yes, it's a very Holy Spirit. No, no. Uh, yeah. There were other artists we'd interviewed. The question was, uh, why this many artists? It just was the way it worked out. Uh, we had interviewed many, uh, several other people. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, even, even eight, nine, you know, it's just hard to balance. Uh, but no, there wasn't a real, as far as I know, uh, secret um, reason to, to the number. Any last questions before we wrap up? Say something. I come from Greece, and the story of Moria was really important 
to us there. Uh, in the first few years, people were very receptive and taking care of the refugees. It was, they were positive. Uh, towards the end, like, like two years ago, it was, why have you come here? We didn't impregnate you, uh, go back. Uh, it, was, it, it wasn't nice and it's still not nice. I have to say that because I have been involved with refugees for like 20, 21 years, uh, back in starting uh, from Crete, when the first ships started, like boats started coming, uh, this was the first time that I ever watched, saw something and that I did not cry, um, which uh, means a lot about this film because it brings light and a positive perspective and it definitely breaks stereotypes. So thank you very much for this feeling that you brought to me. Thank you. Um, this is sort of the end of a year of us traveling the world with this movie. And I just want to personally say thank you all for coming here tonight and that, yes. I want to say something. Yeah. <laughs> this is my story, like the story on the screen. I'm Syrian on asylum in the United States, and I'm part of the Syrian revolution. I usually come to Syrian refugee movies irritated, because there is a white director who think we should be grateful, and then the film is racist. And I can't say anything because we should be grateful he is covering Syria, or she is covering Syria. I'm not talking about simple as water, for example. So here I came and I'm like, I'm gonna like it or I'm gonna kill Aziz later. <laughs> it's gonna be the, I really enjoyed every aspect of it. The political agency of us that usually wanna wipe. People wanna make us like, suddenly something happened to us and we became in the US. We became in Europe and we should be happy about it. So in every aspect, even in showing asylum as heavy and as the countries policies toward refugees as something that is not to be celebrated. So in every aspect of it, I was really glad. And I was like, what do I want? Love the seniors. <laughs> so thank you so much for that, because it means a lot to sit here and watch it. And I wonder why Abu Hajar or Anas did not come to the screening. And I, if the reason is the ban, the American visa, I hope you mention it in screenings over and over, because sometimes people because those are artists, we can bring them here like this, and they don't know that, yeah, they're gonna sit in the airport for six hours of security screening, even if they are artists or whatever. You can't even get a NASA visa. No. Yeah, so I think this is like, you didn't give him a, get him a visa? No, we, we, we wouldn't be able to, no. Yes. Abu Hajar has a visa. He, and he's got his pass, he just became a German citizen. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, last uh, uh, December, so. He could have traveled, but he's come to lots, so he was like. And he was performing in a huge um, festival last weekend, and it was a little too much. <laughs> but, um, but thank you. But no, I don't think we would have been able to get any of them a, a visa because it's so difficult, you know? Mm, yeah. So difficult. I know. Can I sit on this? Yes. This is, yeah. Well, as David's mother. <laughs> I've seen this several times, and I was really struck tonight how, with all that we've all been through 
and our sympathies, I hope, with Ukraine, that this movie is really something that will live on. It, it, it says the problems of, of refugees and of people that have gone through war and that it's a human problem. And I think we can all, it seems I identified with it much more than before. And, you know, I, I'm just so glad that you did it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jen. So I just want to take a selfie of all of us together here. <laughs> Come on now, Odessa, over here real quick. Aziz, everyone get in there. We have a nice full crowd. Thank you, everybody. Three, two, one. Yay. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.